We're going live tonight on Locked On Sooners. We're going to start getting ready for Iowa State. We're going to talk through some of your questions and comments as well. So hope you're tuning in. We'll get started. Just one second. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. If you're looking to make a good, strong, quality hire, make sure you go to LinkedIn. They are the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So go to linkedin.com slash College. To post your job for free, again, that's linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at 94.7theref and on Twitter at joshonref. Here on Monday through Friday from 94.7theref from 9 to noon. Sorry, I'm just trying to get all this stuff going as we get going. So, Josh, what's up, man? What's going on? Uh, obviously excited. We've got another game week upon us. Every game feels... I guess because of the way this year started out, maybe even all that much more critical for Oklahoma, right? I mean, coming out of uh, obviously the bye week here, feeling good about what you did versus Kansas, the offense absolutely humming along to the tune of those 52 points, the 700 plus yards offensively that Oklahoma put up versus Kansas, which seemingly be the right kind of recipe to go into Ames, Iowa and keep that rolling and, against an Iowa State team that I think Oklahoma matches up pretty well with, just in terms of Iowa State's strength being Oklahoma's strength, Iowa State's defense versus what Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel are able to do offensively. And the fact that Iowa State, frankly, is uh, not has not been altogether great offensively uh, in their own right versus an Oklahoma defense that we know has had a world of problems so far in 2022. So the fact that you match up with a quarterback that yes, has thrown 13 touchdowns, but has been intercepted seven times in Hunter Deckers. The fact that you don't have Brees Hall in the backfield up there in Iowa state anymore bodes well for Oklahoma. Xavier Hutchinson. Oh, you will have their hands full with him. But beyond that uh, offensively, just feels like this sets up to be a game where maybe Oklahoma out of the bye week can quote unquote get right a little bit defensively. Now, if that doesn't happen versus Iowa State, all of a sudden you have to really consider uh, w- what that probably means big picture the rest of the year, which is if Oklahoma can't put together any sort of a nice defensive performance versus the Cyclones, I don't know that you want to go about predicting that that's going to happen versus, I don't know, the Baylor Bears, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the West Virginia Mountaineers, or the Texas Tech Red Raiders. If you can't do it this week, I don't know that you're doing it anywhere the rest of the way. But, uh, John, it's obviously a huge game for Oklahoma because every game the rest of the way is a huge game for OU to salvage this season and to make what we saw versus Kansas not just a one-off deal, right, to make that kind of the norm the rest of the way. And really the recipe, the way it played out versus Kansas is probably the formula the rest of the way for OU, John. Uh, I don't know that uh, necessarily it's 
52 points and 700 yards of offense. Hopefully it's not going to take that to win every single week for OU, because if that's the case, then guess what? That's not going to be a winning formula for OU, but something similar, right? To where offensively, you're going to have to put the football in the end zone and defensively, if you can bend but not break, maybe get that one or two turnovers or two. And then uh, obviously, you know, what they didn't really do that great of a job of versus Kansas, if you could turn some of those touchdown drives into field goal drives, Really, more than anything, if you can win some shootouts the rest of the way, that's probably going to be what this season resembles uh, for Oklahoma if if that involves winning. Yeah, I think that's kind of where we're at. We're back to like 2016, 2017, 2018, and a little bit 2019 Oklahoma Sooners where you're having to win games by scoring a lot of points. I like that this team has the – at least has the the Kansas game to build off of. It was a strong performance offensively. Let's see what they can do against a team that's currently sixth in the nation in points allowed per game in Iowa State. They're going to have to be efficient. You know, if Dylan Gabriel comes out and he's sluggish like he's been at times, especially, you know, in that TCU game, um, if they're getting out physical, which was a big issue in that TCU game, even before he got hurt, if the offensive line isn't really up to the task against what's a, a pretty good Iowa State defensive front, then it could be another long game for him. I, I think that. They've got the capability and they've got the skill players and the offensive line, I think is playing really well over the last several weeks. I know the Texas game is a bit of a mixed bag. They played really well in the first half, even though they didn't score any points. The second half, Texas was just sitting on the run and it's hard for any offensive line to do anything. If you have no threat of a pass, which Oklahoma really didn't. And against Kansas, I mean, they were fantastic. Obviously you rushed for 300 yards. You're really good but I feel like it's been trending in that direction for several weeks now. Uh, the Texas game, a bit of an uh, outlier a little bit, but I think it, they continue. I think Eric Gray is having a phenomenal season right now, leads the country in yards per carry, which is fun, fantastic. If they can kind of get, I know it's very basic, but you establish the run, take a little bit of the pressure off of the offensive line to try and pass block because you talk to any offensive lineman, they tell you that run blocking is far easier than pass blocking you know, when you pass block more often than not, you find yourself getting, if you're, if you're getting beat, you're getting, you're holding. And so I, I would like to see them come out, establish the run, really make it an emphasis, make it a point. We're going to just shove the run down Iowa state's throat. We're going to use play action pass to keep them off balance. And then we're going to you know throw some quick hitters as well. And as we do that and soften them up a little bit, then start challenging them deep. And that's when you start to really make some things happen with Marvin Mims you make some things happen in the passing game with Eric Gray going out into pass routes as well. So I feel like it's going to be another week where we see a very diverse offense, but hopefully a very balanced offense, because I feel like that's the best way forward for Oklahoma. If you're having to lean too much on the passing game, I think it just puts way too much pressure on everybody to try and make a big play uh, with every single touch, with every single pass attempt. But if they can play an efficient game of, of football like they did against Kansas or it wasn't going for the haymaker every single time. Not every single Marvin Mims target was one that was downfield. You know, they were making sure they were getting him the ball in the short to intermediate part of the passing game as well. And I think that was really a strong recipe for success. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, look, we're going to start rifling through some of your comments out there. So keep those coming. Uh, Robert, Jimmy, I see you guys over there. We'll, we'll hit those as we progress along. The, the one that, you know, I will hit just right here off the top, John, is I like this from Robert. This is a winnable game, right, for Oklahoma. I mean, I think when you start thinking about this week and, 
you know, the buildup, obviously, through the bye week to this game. Really, for Oklahoma, again, if you can't win this game on the road, does not bode well for what the rest of this season ultimately big picture is going to look like for Oklahoma. I feel pretty confident. I locked Oklahoma this week, uh, got them at a point and a half uh, in our ref Royal Rumble. And I feel like, to me, Oklahoma is definitely going to win this game by a couple of scores. I just think it's too good of a matchup for the Sooners. I like the way that Eric Gray is running the football. That, you know, for him to be doing what he's doing yards per carry, as you mentioned, John, against a team like Iowa State bodes really, really well where you're going to need to be able to lean on the run game a little bit. And I think, you know, across the board, the offensive line that you you mentioned on, mentioned and touched on too, maybe they found something with Conjol, right? I mean, he ended up playing a bunch of those snaps. I think it was 60-some-odd snaps he got and only the 40 for McCade Mataire and everybody else, Andrew Rame, Anton Harrison, Morris, and Chris Murray. Seemed like the rest of that was really, really working well for Oklahoma, the way they ran the football and, again, what Eric Gray did. So I think that sets up nicely for OU. And, again, I just I just like this matchup, man. The fact that Iowa State offensively is one of the weaker teams in that regard in the Big 12. There's, there's probably not a lot of these left on the schedule for the Sooners, but this is one of them. And so because of that, you got to go take care of business on the road here, John. Yeah, Iowa State's not going to run away from you. They're not going to score so well that you're going to have to play – big catch up from double digit deficits. I mean, they, they might be able to get a lead just because Hunter Deckers has played some good football this year, but I just don't think that they're going to be able to put enough scoring drives together to get way out in front of you. Kind of like TCU did where you're automatically just having to play catch up early in this game. I, I think that bodes well for Oklahoma. You, uh, one of our guys, you know, he's talked about Robert. He said, I think it was Robert. Yeah. He said, Oh, the stats are skewed from the Texas game where they had, a quarterback and their defense had to play the entire game. So you take the Texas game out where they get shut out and they're averaging 39 and a half points per game with the Texas game that drops to 33 points per game. So yeah, I'm with you. Like this Oklahoma offense is so much better with Dylan Gabriel, even when he's not at his best, it's so much better than what it was during that Texas game. It's, I think that's going to be the, one of those things that we, we hope we can one day forget about. Uh, it still kind of sits in the craw a little bit that they didn't have a passing attack a little bit more prepared for that game, but that's in the past. We're in the future. I like what I, I really like the matchup. I, you know, just looking at, at Iowa state's stat sheet and yeah, Will McDonald's a great player. He's only got three and a half sacks on the season. You know, he's, he's good, but nobody really with Iowa state's defense is creating and generate a, generating a ton of pressure either. I mean, you know, you go down the list, like Will McDonald's got three and a half, and then you got a bunch of guys with one and one and a half sacks. So as bad as Oklahoma's defensive front has been, I think that kind of bodes well for, for Dylan Gabriel and the passing attack that, I mean, if they're able to contain Will McDonald, there's not really a bunch of guys that are really going to be able to get after you, but we'll continue to break this down. We'll go through some of your comments here in just a second. But first, Josh is going to talk to us about LinkedIn. Yeah, and let's talk about that infamous drop eight coming up here in just a second. I think that's one of the keys for this uh, for this game. LinkedIn, go check them out, linkedin.com backslash locked on college to post your job for free where you can get things straightened out because, you know, these days, obviously, every new potential hire, it feels like a high stakes wager for your business. That makes sense. I understand that for your small business. You want to be certain that you've got the access to the best qualified candidates possible. And again, that's why you want to, 
you want to use LinkedIn. You just uh, go over, add your purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring. They've got simple tools, screening questions that make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why LinkedIn Jobs, it's rated number one among small businesses in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you, candidates you want to talk to faster. So go on over, post your job for free, linkedin.com slash college. linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So I would think Dylan Gabriel shouldn't be. I, now, I, I without going back and looking through every single game of his career, John, I, I don't know that he's faced anything defensively like he's going to see from Iowa State, right? I mean, obviously, it's different. It's unique. And I think Brent Venables basically said as much this week or, you know, end of last week when he started previewing Iowa State. I, I think it was beginning of this week on his radio show that, uh, you know, basically – Iowa State, some of those principles that they run, John, they implemented at Clemson. And guess what? They, as you would expect, very, very successful. So he's got a ton of respect for what John Haycock and Iowa State does defensively. Again, I don't know if Gabriel's seen a ton of this drop eight type stuff, John, but I would imagine with him being an older quarterback, and again, I think the the run game where it's at for Oklahoma right now, particularly with Eric Gray, John, I think that bodes well for Oklahoma Gabriel's experience in the run game being what it is that hopefully he won't panic against a defense that look, it can confuse guys. Yeah. And this is a week where, you know, I've railed against Jeff Levy and the behind the line of scrimmage passes and the short passing game and not pushing the ball downfield enough. This is one of those games where like being able to just jab at Iowa state's defense, not make mistakes, not hurt yourself on drives with, you know, uh, untimely penalties, like the pre-snap penalties or holding calls or things like that. That's going to bode well for you. Playing a patient offensive game, I think, is going to be the the way to win this game. I, I it's hard to say. I mean, like you said, if if Dylan Gabriel's face a defense, it's this good. But if he comes out with a patient approach, kind of like he had against Kansas, you know, a couple weeks back, I mean, they were driving the football down the field. I mean, they they had a couple big plays here and there, but it was methodical drives leaning on the running game and then, you know, picking your spots in the passing game, using the RPO action, using the short passing game. I think that, those were huge right there. Uh, Jimmy asks, you know, if Billy Bowman is going to be playing Brent Venables talked about that um, today when he met with the media, he said, there's not really a timetable yet for Billy Bowman's return. And man, that's unfortunate. I, that's one of your guys that's been, you know, before he got hurt, he was one of the top three players on this team and tackling a, really important piece in the back end of the defense. And as soon as he went out against TCU, it just kind of all fell apart. Now they've kind of been able to, you know, patchwork the thing and, and make sure that they're not giving up big plays and big busts in the passing game. But I do think you still miss his athleticism and his physicality, um, both in the passing game and in the running game, because at times, and it's kind of been an issue for, for several players, the angles in run pursuit aren't great. And so you might, you know, be able to keep teams from hitting big plays on you, but they're completing those passes in the short to intermediate game. And they're still making big plays out of it because they're able to get some yards after the catch because your, your angles aren't great. Well, I feel like Billy Bowman has had been doing a really good job kind of improving just his awareness, his pursuit. And then he had become a really good tackler too. And so I think that's, that's really huge. 
that we don't know when he's going to be coming back. Um, but I will say, you know, in the, in the last couple of weeks, I feel like things have gotten a little bit better um, against Kansas. They were a little bit better. Kansas, they had methodical drives, but again, you miss Billy Bowman. He's one of your best defensive players, but in a season where you're four and three and you're just kind of fighting for bowl eligibility, you're not rushing this guy back at all. You're making sure he's hundred percent healthy before you bring him back. And then on the plus side, this gives you an opportunity to see guys like, uh, Robert Spears Jennings, you get to give him a few snaps in a game and, and see what he's capable of. You get because that could be your safety pairing next year, potentially. Um, you get to see a little bit more of you know Key Lawrence. We don't know what his future is going to be. I mean, he could be a big part of that next year as well. Um, and then a guy like Trey Morris and Justin Broyles, veterans on this team that you know they're going to get to play a little bit more. And then Woody Washington getting to play some safety snaps has kind of been interesting as well. So, yeah, no Billy Bowman. I don't think this week unless. You know, Brent Venables is playing coy, uh, but he did say no timetable right now for Billy Bowman. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, he would, John, really have to have been playing coy. What I took from the way he was describing it is, I don't know that we're going to see Billy Bowman for a couple more weeks uh, based on kind of the way that he was talking today. Now, whether that's right or wrong, maybe he surprises him, uh, you know, not this week, but next week with how quickly, you know, things start coming along for him. But just the way that he was talking did not sound as though this is going to be an overnight Billy Bowman's healthy and and ready to go again, unfortunately, which, I mean, he's been a huge piece of what Oklahoma's done defensively. You're right. You know, the Kansas game was sneakily, sneakily a step in the right direction defensively for Oklahoma. They, uh, They came away with seven stops in this game, a couple of turnovers, couple of interceptions, and then they forced uh, five punts in that game. The problem they had, John, is they gave up six touchdown drives, right? And if you give up six touchdown drives, guess what? Turns into 42 points pretty, pretty quickly. Now, the offense didn't uh, always help at times with a couple of their turnovers. So, obviously, that's something that, uh, you know, when we think about this week versus Iowa State, John, and look, I get it, it's cliche, but uh, do not set Iowa State up with short fields, right? I mean, if Iowa State's going to beat you offensively, make them have to earn it against your defense to beat you. Don't go out there and if you're Dylan Gabriel, we talked about, you know, the patience, right? We think he's going to be patient. Well, be patient against Iowa State, right? Don't make that decision where you give Iowa State a bad offense, a short field, and they can go punch one in quickly on you because, frankly, we saw a little bit of that versus Kansas. And if you see that again this week on the road in Ames, I mean, that's the recipe to set it up to where you can lose the game, right? To where you help their offense out a little bit more than uh, probably you should. Just to your point earlier, John, about the uh, types of drives that Oklahoma had offensively. I'm looking at the uh, drive chart from last week. This is the Oklahoma scoring drives, right? So first drive was uh, 10 plays, 79 yards, touchdown. Second drive, uh, six plays, 75 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 75-yard touchdown. Nine plays, um, six – well, I guess I'm looking at everybody's drive chart now. I had Oklahoma's in front of me, and then I misplaced it. Ten plays, 79 yards for Oklahoma. Nine plays, 75 for Oklahoma. Five for 80, seven for 65, three for 54. So that's kind of the the lone one that obviously was was really quick for OU. Nine for 47, ten for 75. 16 plays for 55 yards and a field goal. So to your point, yes, a lot of those drives were long drives, time-consuming, running a bunch of plays, and and that's good, right? I mean, that's good for Oklahoma. 
Yeah, they want to run a lot of plays. And as long as they can stay patient, be methodical, I think they're going to be able to score points. It's it's when you start getting impatient, you want to hit the big play, you want to have that heat check moment where you test guys down the field. That's when you get yourself into trouble. And if if teams are going to drop eight and you know empty out the box a little bit, then run it. If they're going to drop eight, you know, put the ball in Jalil Farouk's hands on a jet sweep, put it in his hands on a on a wide receiver screen, a bubble screen. And let him make plays after the catch. He's proven, especially with his kick return ability, to be a guy that's going to be able to make plays with the ball in his hands. So get the ball in his hands any way you can. Get him a bunch of touches. Same with Eric Gray, Javante Barnes, Marcus Major. And just just pound away. Just kind of have a a methodical approach. And then, I I don't want to say similar to Texas, but in a way, with your rushing attack, be diverse. Be versatile with your rushing attack. And then you also have the Dylan Gabriel play-action passing attack. Yeah, I mean, X two X. Yeah, man, feed Eric Gray, one hundred percent. That's that's key in this game. Feed Eric Gray, feed Javante Barnes. We're not sure yet if we're going to get Marcus Major back. He's been out the last couple of weeks as well. But be methodical, be patient, jab at your opponent. Don't go for the haymaker right out of the gate. That's going to get you into some trouble. So let's do that. We got more. We're going to talk more about it. We're going to answer some of your questions look through some of your comments as well. But first let's talk about sweat block. I don't know if you've dealt with excessive sweating at all in your life. I have, you know, growing up on the West coast and the, in the desert living in Texas and now Oklahoma, man, the, the summers get hot, they get humid and that sweat pours like it. Sometimes it's just hard to see because the sweat's pouring out of my, down into my eyes. You know, your, your shirts get sweat stains, things like that. And if you've ever dealt with excessive odor, man, maybe you need to check out sweat block. I know my, I've known some people that I feel like could have benefited from sweat block. Not that they were odiferous, but you know, you're playing one-on-one basketball, or you're playing some, some hoops and, and they're sweating and it's just getting all over you. Kind of like the, the scene from, uh, Oh, what's the movie? Along, Along came Polly. Along came Polly. You're like, this is the guy that needs some sweat block. So maybe go check out sweatblock.com. It's doctor created and doctor recommended to help eliminate excessive sweating, excessive odors, to just take away some of that embarrassing underarm sweat, the sweat rings that you might have to deal with. It's been tested and featured on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. And again, it comes doctor recommended. So if you or someone you love is experiencing an embarrassing sweat or odor, have them check out sweat block, save 20% with our promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Again, save 20% with our promo codes locked on at sweatblock.com. Again, it's also available on Amazon. So, <laughs> Hey, Lincoln, we, we don't miss you, but hey, thanks for stopping by. Um, Jimmy, to answer your question about Woody Washington, I think that's that's an interesting interesting question. We don't know. Like, we don't know what he's going to play. My guess would be cornerback, but seeing as though they played him at safety and he's played a lot of snaps at safety, it wouldn't surprise me to see him play him there more. I don't know if Brent Venables mentioned that during his press conference today, but uh, I think it's good that you have a guy that's that versatile that he can play multiple positions for you. Yeah, I would imagine cornerback just kind of given the feels like there. I, I know that, of course, you're missing Billy Bowman, but uh, I mean, I think that there's a pretty serious need for Woody Washington at corner right now. So, I mean, I would I would imagine that would be the case. Sad face for Lincoln Riley. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always great when um, Lincoln stops by, isn't it? It is. It is. Hey, first time. First time he's been on the show. So thanks. Thanks for stopping by. First time, um, long time. First time, long time. That's right. Uh, you know, I think it's 
so much of what the rest of the season is going to be like. And I wrote about it a little bit over at Sooners Wire. And it's, yeah, you want to win as many games as you can, but you can't ignore the fact that this is valuable opportunity to see what 2023 is going to look like. And so I kind of highlighted a few players that I feel like need to really have strong end of the seasons for Oklahoma to feel really comfortable about where they're heading. You know, one of those guys was Danny Stutzman. Like I need to see just gradual improvement. He's been really good at times throughout the season. At times it's, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. If he can continue to improve this year, you know, improving pursuit angles, improving coverage, you know, kind of continue to take on that leadership mantle as the leader of this defense, then I'll feel really good about where we're heading in 2022. Ethan Downs, he's been good at times, but again, as part of a pass rush that's struggled over the last three, four weeks of the season, you know, he, he leads the team in pressures, but yet I feel like it's not the, the pressure game hasn't been as effective uh, as it was early in the season. So I need to see the pass rush continue to improve uh, as we go along as well. Uh, Javante Barnes, we're going to get to see a lot more of Javante Barnes. I feel like he's pretty much established himself as the number two running back on this team. Uh, with Marcus Major being out, they gave him a huge workload last week. Eric Gray's going to the NFL after this year. Like the season he's having, he's probably going to be a top 100 pick in the 2023 NFL draft. So that means Javante Barnes, you're pretty much auditioning to be the lead running back for the Oklahoma Sooners next fall whenever they break camp. Um, so I, th- I think there's, oh, and then Jaleel Farouk. We, I just mentioned him. But with Marvin Mims, another again, another guy that's going to be going to the NFL draft in 2023, probably another top 100 pick. Jaleel Farouk has a chance to be that wide receiver one for you next year. So we need to start seeing him like take step up, kind of take on that mentality, take on that responsibility. Had a really efficient game against Kansas. Only saw four targets, but had four receptions for an efficient 45 yards. He's been a very effective player, again, in the run game for you as well. So I think it's going to be really key to start getting some evaluated evaluations on some of these younger guys to know just kind of where you stand and know what you got to attack in the transfer portal to make sure that you have the most competitive team that you can field as possible. Sure. Now that's a, a great point. You know, really kind of every position not named Marvin Mims position, right? And maybe a couple of those spots up front along the offensive line where you know you're going to be replacing there too, right? Like Anton Harrison, you got a pretty good indication. He's going to be, uh, you're going to be replacing there, right? With just uh, the way that he's come along, he's going to be an NFL draft pick. So kind of, uh, you know, beyond that, I don't know that there's any surefire NFL guys for Oklahoma. I mean, Braden Willis is somebody that I, I think will get drafted later in the draft. So you, you kind of, uh, you know, from that standpoint, maybe you would like to see a Jason Llewellyn, uh, before season's end, right? One of these younger, uh, whether it's, you know, Caden or whoever it is, one of those two guys maybe make a play or two here or there. But really beyond that, man, uh, you know, it sounds like Jalen Redmond now is somebody we thought was going to be off to the NFL. And kind of the rumblings that's starting to be out there is, and part of this is, I'm sure, production-based, but sort of the rumblings, he's going to be back, right? So, I mean, if that's the case for Jalen Redmond, then you know, remind me that you are, in fact, Jalen Redmond. That can be disruptive and a game wrecker. I think any of those guys, John, up front, whether it's Ethan Downs or if it's Reggie Grimes or if it's Jalen Redmond, I mean, I need to see Oklahoma have a legitimate pass rusher because right now they don't have that guy. And so, uh, you know, that's alarming when you think about the remainder of this season. And obviously you start projecting to 2023 and beyond. I mean, 
the idea that Oklahoma doesn't have somebody that they can rely on to pin their ears back and go get the quarterback is kind of crazy, but that's sort of where we're at right now. Yeah, that's that's one thing that definitely is going to have to improve over the next five weeks for me to start feeling better about the defense. And you know, there's been a lot of talk about R. Mason Thomas this week. And, again, you know, a young guy, a true freshman, he's gotten a few opportunities, but he's flashed. Like his speed just kind of jumps off the tape whenever – He's coming off the edge. I would love to see a little bit more of him, you know, down the stretch as we go. And a lot of it's just going to be earned opportunities, but I think he's a guy that you should throw, you know, some pass rush snaps at, let him just get that experience, get that feel um, as, as he continues to get better and improve upon himself. But again, uh, and at the same time, you're managing red shirts. You're trying not to burn people's red shirts if you don't have to. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting. Uh, beyond garbage time play, how much do you expect to see Jaden Gibson and Nick Anderson um, going forward? That's a great question, man. It's hard to know. Like, I don't feel like they felt comfortable enough to throw them out there yet in meaningful action. And it seems they've been reluctant to do that for a lot of the younger guys. I mean, we've seen it with Jaron Canning. We've seen it. Um, I mean, our Mason Thomas, you know, he had some flashes, but then I feel like he's kind of gotten buried again. We just haven't seen him very much. And so it's been real up and down with some of the younger, the, the freshman guys. Like they, I don't feel like there's been a lot of consistency or um, it, it's hard to know what their philosophy is on these young guys. It seems very sporadic and very kind of hit and miss on when they decide to put these guys in. Right now, the way things are trending, I mean, Oklahoma looks like they're going to be in the market for maybe not one, but multiple skill guys, John. I mean, I just, you know, unless one of these guys like a Jaden Gibson or Nick Anderson, and just to quickly answer that question there, I expect to see a lot of Jaden Gibson in the coming weeks, in part because of some remarks that Jeff Levy said on Monday. I mean, basically he said, yeah, he's very heavily in the plans and he likes the progressions that he's made. So even though you might've seen a dot, dot, dot out there on social media, I do think that Jaden Gibson is someone that is on the Oklahoma offensive coaching staff's minds. I think that he's going to see serious snaps coming down the home stretch here. Now, having said that, again, to that point, John, Nick Anderson, I'm, I'm a little less confident there just because, again, we haven't seen him at all yet. And so the idea that uh, all of a sudden he's, you know, these last final five games, we're going to see a bunch of him. I, I don't know if I'm as confident there. But, man, you need to see one of those two guys, right, or Jaleel Farouk or somebody that's a wide receiver for Oklahoma, not named Marvin Mims, Really, you know, and not name Theo Weiss, do some positive things for Oklahoma to feel like, okay, this wide receiving core is in, in okay, a good place going into next season. Because right now, man, it looks like it's going to be a monster loss trying to replace Marvin Mims. And typically wide receivers not been something, John. You've heard me say this on this show before. I'm not worried about skill guys at Oklahoma. Well, right now I'd like to see some skill guys impress me a little bit at Oklahoma. Yeah, and with the transfers that they brought in, LV Bunkley Shelton and JV and Hester, I mean, those are two guys that'll figure into the mix as well. But again, like like the freshmen, we just haven't seen enough of them to to know what we're gonna get out of them in 2023. So that's that's a bit of a a, a question mark as well. I, I think wide receiver is something that we have to see basically solidify itself this final five games so that we feel really good about where we're heading um in 2023. So yeah, it's, it's wild to me um, that it's been so up and down at times the, the last couple of years. You know, Marvin Mims has about been the only thing that you can rely on. But other than that, it, it's been kind of hit or miss. Um, yeah. 
So those those obviously are going to be keys for Oklahoma the rest of the way. The most important thing, John, is find a way to win football games, right? I mean, we, we could sit here and talk about and, and I, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Um, I mean, I think that's points well made that if we do see some production from a couple of these wide receivers or if Javante Barnes, we see because, you know, somebody texted the radio station today, John, was basically like, yeah, I don't know about Javante Barnes. I haven't seen it yet. And, you know, I've seen some nice things from Javante Barnes, but I will give the texter the credit on this regard. Like, have you seen that explosive run from Javante Barnes yet to where you, you look at it and you're like, okay, wow, this is a number one Oklahoma running back. So there's still room, I think, for us to see that before years in with Javante Barnes. And I'm not here to tell you that he doesn't have that gear, but I think it's a fair point really across the board for Oklahoma. And, you know, it's easy, I guess, maybe to say this offensively, but, you know, same thing defensively, right? You know, Robert Spears, Jennings, all these guys, we're going to feel better if they produce, but more than anything, man, we're going to feel better if Oklahoma wins four of these final five games, right? Or wins all five of these final five games. That's going to give you confidence that this coaching staff with the personnel, they can pull the right strings to, I mean, do just that, get Oklahoma into the winning column. Yeah, speaking of Barnes, though, I, I think the, the most explosive run he had was like his first coll collegiate carry, and then he fumbled on that play. Right. Um, that was recovered by Llewellyn, so that, that's interesting. Uh, OU DNA Bloodline asks, with the need want uh, for more skill guys, any chance that they go after Micah T specifically as a wide receiver? I want to say that maybe they are. Maybe I've heard some rumblings that now they're starting to consider him at wide receiver. And so that's like, he had been more leaning towards Arkansas. Uh, if I'm correct, if I'm remembering this correctly uh, and talking with Parker Thune, our guy from uh, OU Insider 247 sports, but now this new coaching staff is starting to lean in more to the idea of him playing wide receiver. So yeah, I think that that's going to be a potential option for him. I mean, there's still the Malachi Coleman um, commitment that's supposed to come down at some point that Oklahoma is in pretty good position for. Now that's a tight end or somebody they're projecting to play tight end. And they got some dude, they got some good players that are going to be coming in 2023, you know, with Anthony Evans and Jaquay's Petaway, uh, two guys that are just can take the top off a of defense and, and really test people down the field. Um, so some really good players that they're going to be able to integrate at some point. And, and I feel like we've seen flashes from guys like from like Gavin Freeman. Like that's a guy that every time it seems he gets on the field, he makes a play and he's not your traditional, you know, big, strong, highly athletic, you know, wide receiver, but he's got enough speed to win. He's a savvy route runner. It seems like, Oh, Malachi already committed. I must've missed that. Um, and actually our boy Mickey Joseph got in a little bit of hot water responding to the question. Uh, he was asked about my Malachi Coleman directly and you're not supposed to comment on recruits. And, and he did. So that was, uh, that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Not sure how I missed that one. That's, that's not great. Uh, it's been a bit of sluggish fall for John at times. He's been under the weather here and there. So um, man. To, uh, to the point though, on, tease i mean obviously with the way that things have started out for oklahoma john i think that uh i mean you kind of almost have to rethink that right and give him the opportunity to play wide receiver and i think maybe it's a good lesson for the oklahoma coaching staff look brent venables i'm not going to argue with his plan i'm not going to argue with jeff levy or the the coaching staff's plan but i think at times for in-state kids 
if there's a specific position that an in-state kid wants to play and it's a four or a five-star kid, I mean, to me, instead of, you know, pigeonholing them into, no, we see you as a defensive back, maybe at times you you just take that kid and get him on campus and kind of let them, uh, you know, start out. with Because, look, we're, we're kind of seeing that play out with DJ Graham right now, right, to where, honestly, he kind of always wanted to be a wide receiver he got on campus. They sort of convinced him, ah, nah, we want you to play defensive back. They tried it. It didn't totally work. And now guess what? He's playing wide receiver for an Oklahoma offense that could probably use DJ Graham at wide receiver. So, you know, to me, get the talented in-state kid, right? If he wants to play wide receiver, let him play wide receiver. Yeah, it's weird to me sometimes how they – I'd be curious how they decide, you know, what position a guy is going to play. Um, when they're an athlete, you know what I mean? So many of these guys, they play both ways, but you know, like you take a guy like DJ Graham and this is under a previous administration, but a guy who was, you know, an all district um, wide receiver in Texas, like out in Keller, like big time football, you'd think that that would make him more apt to play wide receiver for Oklahoma. But again, I'd, I'd be curious how they'd make those decisions um, when it, when it comes down to it. So yeah, I mean, it's just it's just wild. I would love to know kind of what their plan is with some of these guys that aren't named Marvin Mims and Jaleel Farouk and Theo Weiss because they've got several guys that you'd think that would be able to get more playing time. Are they just kind of saving them? Like, are they? You're not really in position to save players or, or save snaps, so you got to try to figure out like what's JV and Hester got for you. What does? LV Bunkley Shelton have for you because I thought that those were going to be two guys that were going to contribute to this team. And we just haven't seen enough of it yet this season. So, um, yeah. OU DNA bloodline brings up a good point that, you know, Petaway Evans and Brown flat out smoke. So that's probably something that I don't know, has gotten lost here a little bit in our conversation is that they are continuing to add talent, uh, in this signing class, right. And targeting talent. So, even if uh, we haven't seen these guys on campus yet. While, again, I'm going to feel better if you you see some of that production from the guys already on campus, John. I mean, just for, for those that, yeah, are committed and, you know, likely to sign this uh, December and then into next spring, obviously Oklahoma's – they're bringing in some skill talent, like you would expect at wide receiver. Before we get out of here, any final question from y'all? Fire them away because we're getting close to probably wrapping uh, this broadcast up. Appreciate you guys. Every Tuesday night, we're doing these live shows here for Locked On Sooners. So any final questions, fire them away right here, right now. Uh, keys, John, what, what are, uh, you know, as we're here live with everyone, what are some of your big keys for this Iowa State game? It's kind of like we talked about, you know, be patient offensively. You know, make sure that you're not trying to win the game all in one throw or all in one run. Just take what's there, get the dirty yards in the running game, and then you know, be efficient throwing the football because you're going to have to throw it in the short to intermediate game and just not make mistakes. You, you mentioned it. Don't give Iowa State a short field. Their offense isn't good. Uh, even though Hunter Deckers is throwing for a bunch of yards, he's also throwing a bunch of picks too. He's been sacked seven times. Just don't hurt yourself. Like Don't hurt yourself. Iowa State's going to give you a chance to, to win this game. Like They're going to give you opportunities – with turnovers, take advantage of those things. Just don't hurt yourself. You're going to be playing on the road. So make sure that you're just kind of keyed in on your snap counts, 
keyed in on the silent count um, and just communicating well along the offensive line. And, you know, when the play is being called in, I think that's going to be huge for this team. Now, 11 a.m. kickoff, that hasn't boded well for Oklahoma kind of on the road. It didn't in, when they went to Dallas to play in the Red River Showdown. It didn't when they were playing at TCU. Um, so uh, just be patient, play your game, don't force it. That's kind of where I'm at. So uh, somebody wanted to know about Peyton Bone, I think is who Jimmy is asking about. He's got what? Did he just take a visit to Oregon or he's got one? He just did, right? He was there for the Oregon-UCLA game. So I'm sure, no doubt, I mean, you'd have to have come away somewhat uh, somewhat impressed with what happened up there with the Ducks. I don't have anything new uh, to report on that. That's one of those great for Parker Thune questions, which we've been meaning to – I mean, I could talk to him literally any day at the uh, radio station, but we've been meaning to collectively wrangle him down and see if he'll j- join us on the podcast again just to give us a, a nice how-do-you-do ahead of uh, – signing day which is getting close here for us but we haven't we haven't asked him yet but he would be the right guy uh, obviously to touch base with have you guys talked about hicks yet with everything happening in college station it'll be interesting to see what happens in his recruitment going forward you know john one of the the things out there that kind of some people are starting to talk about and i think i heard parker thune saying this uh, either today or yesterday that the the recruiting of one hicks which i mean probably we, we shouldn't have expected this it has not stopped for Oklahoma. And there is some thought that, you know, maybe, maybe there could be some sort of a visit from Hicks before years in. And obviously if that happens, then dude, this recruitment could totally flip back the, uh, the other way for Hicks. So man, uh, with what's going on in college station, that thing doesn't sound like it's totally done yet for Oklahoma. And obviously, I mean, if they get to the point where they add Hicks to this recruiting in this signing class, uh, we, you know, it was felt like a big blow when they lost him. If they get him back in the class, oh man, it's going to be a major coup. Yeah, if for some, if they can get Hicks to flip before National Signing Day, man, that would be huge. He's just one of those cornerstone players that any team would love to have. I mean, A and M, they they've got several of those guys. Like they've added a bunch of really really good defensive linemen. I don't know if any of those guys are the same player that David Hicks is. So of course that one is going to be the the priority flip if they've got one. Um, if they're kind of ranking the guys that they're trying to get flipped, you know him, Peyton Bowen, Ryan Yates, all three of those guys that are, I think they're still really heavily targeting and trying to figure out if they can get those guys to Norman. So nothing is final until national signing day. I think I feel pretty confident though, that Jackson Arnold is pretty much final. I mean, he's gone on record and say he's locked in several other guys in the 2023 recruiting class are locked in, but I think, you know, a lot of things are transpiring down there in college station that could leave some of this up in the air. So we'll continue to monitor it. We'll have Parker back at some point here in the next, uh, next week or two to, kind of give us an update on where things stand with 2023 and hey more and more offers are going out to 2024 so the the coaching staff is kind of turning its attention that way as well so we'll get an update from him and see where where we're at with that but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on sooners thanks so much for joining us here live on a tuesday night we'll be back again next tuesday night and we'll be talking about an iowa state game probably going to be a win i know i'm leaning oklahoma 
to win this one. Um, and so we'll be able to break that down with you all. And thank you so much for your questions and your comments, your feedback. Love doing this with y'all. It's so much, it's a lot of fun for us just to, to have the interaction with you all. So thank you so much for being a part of it, stopping by and make sure you subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer of 94.7 The Ref, where you can hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon. I'm John Williams of The Sooners Wire. You can read my work covering The Sooners over there. We'll talk to you then. Boomer Sooner.